chapter number one, if you would, First Samuel chapter number one. We come to a familiar portion of scripture, and what a blessing it's been over the last couple of years to uh, see some of the children that were dedicated now have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And uh, it's an exciting thing to, to look back on and see the Lord just growing the church and growing the nursery and these children and what the Lord uh, has intended for their lives. And so as you come to First cha- uh, Samuel chapter number 1, we come to a fam- familiar portion of Scripture that I, I would imagine that many of you, if not all of you, could get up and you could say, hey, this is what's taking place in this first chapter. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is what's taking place in not only the first chapter, but the life of, of Samuel. And you could get up and you could explain some of those things that we find here to be true. But one of the things that I want to, to share with you concerning this passage of Scripture is it reveals so much concerning uh, the heart of Hannah, but also what God intended and what God desired. And one of the things that we find to be one of the hardest things in life to do is to live in the present. It's hard, isn't it? We, we, we begin to, to look ahead and we look to the future, and sometimes we live in the past and we're only looking at the past, and we forget that God is still working right this very moment. God is working in the present, and God desires that not only would we look back in the past and acknowledge that and be thankful for it, but we wouldn't live back in the past. We wouldn't just look to the future and say, all right, Lord, I'm always just looking to the future. But no, he'd say, look at me now. Look presently with me. And this morning, I would acknowledge, and I know that right this very moment, no doubt, some of you have walked into the house of God, and on this baby day, you're bearing some burden. You say, okay, this is baby day, so you're talking about baby dedications. What can I get out of baby day? Well, 1 Samuel chapter 1 has quite a bit that's taking place, and there's something for every single one of us. For some of you, you have uh, walked into the house of God, and you remember dedicating your child, and you can rejoice in the simple fact of that day for you. Some of you have walked in the house of God, and you maybe were the ones who were dedicating your children, and you're going to listen to this message, and you're going to hear some principles that are pulled out of 1 Samuel chapter number 1 that will encourage you. Some of you may be, in the near future, the next couple of years, be planning to have some children, and you might be encouraged by some of the things that we find in this passage of Scripture. Well, we'll find some principles that every single one of us can apply from 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And on this baby day, we acknowledge not only that some of you might have walked in and you might have some burdens or and maybe you have some, some, some troubles or maybe you're, you're walking in and you're joyful and you're excited you're happy, but every one of us is somewhere this morning. And we know that there are seasons in life. For some of you, you're in a season of a, a new little baby. I know that's for us right this very moment. We've got a new little baby in the house and Holly is four years old and there are some things that maybe were forgotten about having a new little baby in the house. Some of you, your children are about to be out of the house. Some of you, you have great-grandchildren now or grandchildren, and you can just have a good time with that. I was talking to a gentleman today at Publix as we were picking up the balloons back there, and we were talking, and he has a, a grandson, and that grandson's about to have a little sister or a little brother, and he was talking about just how different it is having your children and having some grandchildren, and he just loves being a grandparent. And uh, for some of you who are parents uh, or some of you who are grandparents, if you, any of your kids are here this morning, we know that being a, a parent, whenever you were raising your children, you were a lot harder on your children than you were your grandchildren, right? We know how that is. Uh, when my, my, my parents come into town or when my, my in-laws come into town, I always hear it often, man, you, if we'd have done that when we were a kid, you know, you hear those things. But baby day. 1 Samuel chapter number 1, we come to a portion of Scripture. Look with me if we would, fast forward for just a few moments, because 
there's a lot of moving pieces, and we're going to really dial it in here in just a little while to verse number 17 on down. But look with me, if you would, verse number 5, you begin to see some of the problems that Hannah was facing right at the beginning and, and some things that she was going through. It says, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. That was a problem that Hannah had right here. Right at the beginning, her womb had been shut up. And you'll find that here in a few moments that she's very broken over this. For some of you, if you've never studied this passage of Scripture, you're going to find that it wasn't just a, a broken heart in the sense of her being sad, but she was truly broken to the point of collapsing and, and emotionally struggling and physically struggling. And we find that to be in this portion of Scripture. But the Bible goes on to say not only... Did she have the problem of her womb being shut up? But the Bible says in verse number 6 that her adversary also provoked her sore. For to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Can you imagine with me for, some, for, for just a moment, your womb is shut up, and every single day you wake up, and there's someone who is always bringing that up and always trying to get your attention and bring you down. That word adversary here that you find speaks of trouble. It speaks of an enemy, if you would. The word provoked here begins to deal with, again, that trouble, that vexing, that grieving that she was facing. And you go on, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. That word fret is speaking of something that was consistent. It was, it was, it was often. It wasn't just every once in a while. It wasn't just occasionally, but it was often. The Bible goes on to say, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? And in, in this portion of Scripture, we begin to see her, her problem that she was facing. But immediately, you know, there are a lot of times whenever you'll see that, that people will make fun of husbands for not paying attention. You, look, I, I, Kelly will be sitting there and she'll tell me something. And sometimes I'll, I'll just look at her and say, look, I'm going to be honest, I didn't hear that. Tell me again. Because I, I was doing something, I, I didn't hear it. Sometimes there's confusion. And right here, Elkin is a little, he's a little confused right here. He's trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And so the Bible goes on to say right here that he says, Why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? And not I better to thee than ten sons. He doesn't quite understand why she is, she is grieving, why she is weeping. She, he's not quite understanding all of this. And he says that statement at the very end of the verse, Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Now some of the wives here this morning would say, No, I'd rather ten sons than one husband, right? I imagine she's sitting there and she's probably thinking, You just don't get it, do you? You're just not understanding. So in verse number 9, the Bible goes on to say, So Hannah rose up to after they had eaten in Shiloh and rose up after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the afflictions of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. You begin to see that she begins to pray, as the Bible says in verse number 10, that she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And then she begins to vow this vow that would later on be repaid at the very end of the chapter. This vow is found at the very end of this verse, verse number 11. I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. It's a hard thing to do. A hard thing because as you fast forward to the chapter, you begin to see that she is going to take the time to wean her son. And that could take up to three years alone weaning in these times. And you begin to think about all of what was taking place as she begins to prepare herself to give her child that she has prayed for 
back to the Lord. But in verse number 11, she vows a vow, and as you begin to really see the grace of God in Hannah's life, I mean, fast forward or backtrack for just a moment to the very beginning of this portion of Scripture, and you begin to see an enemy that is constantly just harping on you, wearing you down, saying things. And can I share with you that this morning that is very, very familiar to the enemy that we face today, that the enemy is always there trying to say things and trying to tear us down and trying to remember and remind us of all of our failures that we have. And in this portion of Scripture, she doesn't choose to fight her, her adversary. She doesn't choose to, to flee her adversary and, and try to run from her or fret, the Bible says. But what does she do? She immediately flees unto the Lord in verse number 10, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord. She doesn't choose to fight this situation. She just takes it to the Lord. Can I share with you, before we get into it, you're saying, well, this is baby day. What can I get from, from this message this morning? Let me pause for just a moment. Some of you are trying to fight a battle by yourself that was never intended for you to fight in the first place. And you're trying to, to, to handle a situation that God is trying to so graciously guide you through, but you're so stubborn about it, you won't just flee unto the Lord and pray unto the Lord and give it to Him. Can I share with you, you will end up at some point in time coming to the end of yourself, and you will find that if you would have just given it to God in the first place, there would have been so much joy through the circumstances. You to found the Lord just being faithful every step of the way. And Hannah does exactly that. She understands what her situation is. And she vows a vow after she prays unto the Lord. And it came to pass, verse number 12, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. And now Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. She's praying. You can't hear her. Imagine with me for just a few moments, if I were to get up this morning and, and I were to, to grab my Bible and I were to say, take your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number, 20, or chapter number 1. Y'all be sitting there saying, what in the world's going on with this guy? Is he, is, he, is, he, is he taking some medication that we don't know about? What's wrong with him? If I were to just persist to, to continue doing it and not even paying attention, just continue to, to my, mood, my, my lips are moved. And so what's Eli do? Eli begins to, to acknowledge this, and the Bible goes on to say in verse number 13, Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Eli begins to address what is taking place here, and he, he acknowledges that, hey, something ain't right. And so in verse number 14, the Bible says, And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. Verse number 15, she responds, and in verse number 15, you begin to see just truly how broken she is. The Bible says, And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. For just a moment, let me ask this question. In verse number 15, as you begin to see what is taking place, this word or this statement, sorrowful spirit, means that she is deeply troubled. It's not just something that's, you know, just, oh, she's having a bad day. No, she's deeply troubled. The burden is heavy, and as the burden is so heavy, you find that as you compare Scripture with Scripture and you go and you cross-reference, you'll find that in the book of Psalm 38, verse 8, it is all, it was very similar to what is taking place right here, that she is 
physically and mentally collapsing because she is so overwhelmed by what is taking place. The Bible goes on to say this at the end of verse number 15, that she poured out her soul before the Lord. This wasn't just a, a, a casual thing to Hannah. It wasn't just, Lord, I really would like a child if you would allow me to. No, she's pouring her soul out. I imagine, I'm a very, uh, much of a visual person when I'm reading, I imagine Hannah, she is, she is weeping so much, and I, I've made reference to this, this before many, many times, but the ugly cry, if you will. The ugly cry is seen, as a matter of fact, I picture the ugly cry a lot in Scripture because there are times whenever the ugly cry, and you know what this is, it's the cry whenever you're crying, but nothing's coming out any longer. How many of you are my ugly criers this morning? We got some ugly criers. Hey, be proud about that. Raise them hands high if you're an ugly crier. Yeah, there's my ugly criers. We'll start a Sunday school class for y'all, the ugly criers class, all right? Have a fellowship time for you. We'll judge the ugly cry. Which one has the ugliest cry? But I imagine she, I mean, she's pouring out her soul, and it's, she's really pouring out. She's weeping. On, on, the, on the break of just collapsing mentally and physically and, and emotionally just collapsing. And so what is about to take place? I mean, for just a moment, imagine with me, you're pouring your whole heart out to something and you're waiting and you're just, you're, you're begging God to do something. And in verse number 10 and in verse number 11 on down, the Bible tells us that she vowed this vow and said, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Lord, I just want a child. So in verse number 17, notice what the Bible says. Then Eli said, or answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Notice with me, we see three things this morning, and we'll be quick. We see Hannah found some peace. Notice these statements, these exchanges, if you would, right here. In verse number 17, he says, go in peace. What a statement that is. The, the comfort that must have been for, for Hannah to be able to hear those words, go in peace. And maybe sometimes you are in a certain situation where the situation is out of your hands and so you go to the individual that can handle it and that individual will calm you down and will ease your mind by saying something along the lines of, hey, everything is going to be okay. You don't have to worry about anything any longer. Everything is taken care of. And what does that do for you? It encourages you. It helps you. It, it puts your mind at ease. Can I encourage you that every single time that you're going through something and you run to the Lord in His Word and you run through the Lord in prayer, that He'll give that still small voice of peace, saying everything's okay. Go in peace, the Bible says right here. But it says, And the God of Israel, notice these next encouraging words, Grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of Him. It's an amazing thing that Hannah hears these words, and as she hears these words, the Bible says in verse number 18, that all of a sudden her countenance changes. It says, and she said, let thine handmaid, notice this word, find grace in thy sight. I don't know about you, but the, the, the number of times whenever I have needed the Lord and I have found grace, I could go on and on and talk about the, the many times in my own personal life where I've said, Lord, I just need your grace, and I've found it. And she goes on to say right here that the hand might, might find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. If you were to know Hannah, we don't know Hannah, but if you were to know Hannah, I can imagine as she is in one moment pouring her soul out, and the next moment Eli sees that she is just weeping. 
she's pouring her heart out, and he wonders something is wrong, and she shares with him everything, and then he says, go in peace. And he goes on to say, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. That the reaction must have been amazing, as it says, her countenance was no more sad. I imagine he's standing there. Uh, Holly is getting to the point where she is, she is a, a, an emotional wreck at times. She's four years old. She cracks me up. One moment I'll walk by and I will, I'll, I'll see her and she'll just be crying. I mean, I mean, big crocodile tears. I mean, it don't take much to get her to stop crying. You just say something like, "Hey, you want, you want a piece of candy? Hey, you want, you want a popsicle? You want to go outside and play? You want to go?" Hey, you want to go do this? And all of a sudden, she starts giggling. And you're sitting there saying, what's wrong with this child? I mean, good, great. I mean, I mean, bawling her eyes out, crocodile tears. You say one thing, and she's, I mean, steer, still the tears coming down. I mean, but she's giggling. And I imagine as I'm reading this portion of Scripture that that, that countenance change, it must have been like a, for Eli, he must have been thinking, You know, the Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, about the grace of God and how the grace of God can really make a difference in our lives. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. This morning, if we were to pause for just a few moments and ask for some testimonies, I believe that there'd be some hands that would go up and say, oh, I want to share the moment that I found the grace of God in my own life. Oh, can I share this time and this time and this time where I found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Psalm 37, we begin to see the constant reminder that we see in this portion of Scripture where Hannah just had to trust the Lord. And in verses 3 through 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and else shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You see, Hannah was facing a heavy burden, if you would, and her, her burden was no longer heavy, but her burden was now belief, and her, her sorrow that she was facing now turned into joy, and her, her heartache was now happiness, and all of this was taking place in one moment where Eli says, Go in peace, and she says, May I find grace. May I find grace. July 15, 2009, as I was sitting on the front row, my heart was sorrow. I was broken. I was weeping. I was struggling. I was scared. I was fearful. I was uh, concerned about my eternity. I wasn't a happy person in that situation. I wasn't a joyful person in that situation. And so sitting right there on the very front row, the second seat in, I went to the altar and Kelly's pawpaw grabbed me and we went to a corner just like that over there and he knelt down and led me to the Lord. Can I share with you, all of a sudden that sorrow turned into joy just like that. And oh, that burden was no longer heavy, but it was lifted. And the very first thing that I wanted to do was tell somebody that I had just accepted Christ as my personal Savior. What a day that forever changed my life. Can I share with you, there have been times along the journey, and even just, just the simplest of things, just a couple of days ago, as I was sitting there in my house, and I had told Kelly for just a few months, I said, hey, I'm not one, and many of you know this, I'm not one that gets overwhelmed very easily. I'm usually pretty calm and pretty collected, and I, I usually don't have to worry much, but I said, hey, there's, there's a lot going on right now, and something needs to give. 
And a few minutes later, a phone call is made, and Brother Cyrus is on the phone. He says, hey, just want to let you know that building's getting torn down next week. I mean, I mean minutes. And I said, there's one. There's one. A couple days later, we're over there, and we're, we're watching all that, and we go over to the, the nursery building, and we're finishing up the nursery. And as we're finishing up the nursery, I, I'm thinking, there's one. Nursery's framed and, and done, and, and we're making progress, and things are getting done. I began to think, and, and all of a sudden, little by little, all of these things begin to get checked out. And I was constantly reminded right that, there in that time, the Lord reminded me, hey, you can't do it. Rest in me. Can I share with you, that's exactly what Hannah did. In this portion of Scripture, Hannah goes to the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a child, then I will give unto him, or give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. You see, the powerful truth right here that we find concerning Hannah's situation, and this is something that we can all apply is that Hannah had a burden that was so heavy. It was troubling. It, it was soul-stirring, if you would. It was, it was something that brought her to her knees, and it was something that she had to come to the realization that she couldn't do it herself. And not only could she not do it herself, she couldn't move on by herself and continue to handle this situation by herself. And so what did she do? She laid that burden at the feet of Jesus and said, Lord, you've got to take it. Lord, you've got to do this. Can I share with you this morning that in your own personal life, some of you are facing some burdens and you're trying to carry that burden. And I remember the illustration that we have seen by preacher Joseph Brown as he was talking about that. And Brother John began to talk about that, that carrying those, those burdens down in that backpack with all of that stuff. And it's just weighing you down until you start to offload slowly but surely. Can I share with you, some of you are carrying a burden that God long ago asked that you would give to him. As a matter of fact, some of you that are parents are trying to bury a load that God has said, hey, you don't have to bear that alone. You know, one of the most comforting things for me, and I talk about this often, but one of the most comforting things for me that is, is people will ask, you know, what is one of the things that you are most afraid of? And, you know, at the end of my life, one of the things I'm most afraid of is, is failure, but not failure in, in man's eyes. Because man's, failure, man's eyes, failure is different. You know, we, we have our own interpretation of what's failure, right? But at the end of my life, I, I prayed that the Lord would look at me and say, Josh Farmer, well done. Well done. Hey, well done. And when I think about my children, I think about raising my children up, and I, I get excited about all these things and raising them up and, and watching them and, and letting them just understand that God has a purpose for their lives. And one of the things that is most comforting for me is that understanding that as I walk with the Lord and I, I walk with the Lord and as my family walks with me, as we walk with the Lord together, God will take care of my children. We're getting in the van today, and this is my Bible that I will preach from, and it's, it's got all of my notes and everything, and I, and I study with this Bible. And just the other day, back in December, as a matter of fact, I purchased this Bible, and I was looking forward to getting it and, and possibly preaching from it at some point in time, and I was holding it. 
And, you know, the Lord will use your children sometimes to say things that, that really they don't have a clue what they're saying, but it encourages you, and it just it lights a fire under you. We were getting in the van today, and I was holding this Bible, and uh, Jackson saw that I was holding my new Bible that he had just seen, and he, he says, Dad, can I, you, can I have your old Bible whenever you're done with it? As I began to think about that, I pray that whenever I am done with this Bible, that I'll be able to hand that Bible over to my son, and that he won't just do something like this. That he won't just say, yeah, my dad gave me this Bible, it's a... It's a gray Bible, and it says, it says, uh, uh, it says Psalm 34.3, to God be the glory on the side, and Philippians 1.20, Christ shall be magnified. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, got, it's pretty nice. But the Jackson one day will hold this Bible in his hands, and he may even be sitting in the pew. He may be at a revival meeting. He may be sitting in his recliner raising his own children. He may be a little bit older, and Dad's already gone. But that he'll sit in this chair, sit somewhere, and he'll open the Bible and look in the Bible and see the notes and see the scripture and see what God was doing in his daddy's life and say, man, what a savior. That he'd hold the Bible in his hands and say, hey, th yes, this was my daddy's Bible, but it helps me to realize that, man, what a God we serve. That he'd hold the Bible in his hand and say, man, look what God was doing in daddy's life. That he'd pull Holly aside and say, Holly, look what Daddy was doing as he was writing these notes. Man, what God must have been doing in his life and showing him these things. And Man, this is the Word of God. That he wouldn't just cast it aside and say, look, that's just another Bible. No, that he would, he would take care of it and say, no, this is, this is the Word of God. And when I was getting in the car and he said, hey, Dad, can I have your old Bible one day? I, I began to think, ooh. I pray so. I pray that there comes a day when I can go to my son and I can say, hey, she's a little worn out. She's been used. But take good care of this Bible this week. And he'd open it. And he'd read through it himself. And he'd be challenged and he'd say, you know what? I pray that I, I raise my children to love the Lord and and to love the Lord like Daddy taught us to love the Lord. And that, man, the, the promises that you find in this book and the, the, the things that Dad has written right here, man, look at what God was doing right here and the, the, the little prayer request right here and look at this right here and, hey, even our name is in this Bible. Man, Daddy must have been praying for us. I imagine Hannah here, as she is getting all of this taking place in her life, that she's overwhelmed by all of this. Can you imagine for just a moment the very first time as Hannah hears those words in chapter number 1 and as Samuel looks at her in chapter number 1 and makes the statement in verse number 17, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And if you would, for just a moment, in verse number 19, as you continue reading on down, the Bible says, And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned unto Elkanah to their house, to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. What a comforting thought that is. The Lord remembered her. Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived. Can you imagine for just a moment? In one season of life, she is weeping and she is about to, to collapse and she is in her, her bitterness of soul and she's struggling and she's being mocked and she's being ridiculed and she's just saying, God, I want a son. 
And then God grants her that request, and there comes a day when she's able to hold that son. I can imagine Hannah holding that son and just staring and just looking at him, and as she's holding him, and as she's holding him, just, just rejoicing. She might even be weeping, but she's rejoicing. The Bible says in verse number 20, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man, Elkanah, and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. You see, in this portion of Scripture, you begin to see that Hannah found peace, and Hannah offered up her prayer, and that prayer was offered up. And I want you to notice with me in verse number 10 and 11 again, because in verse number 10 it says that she prayed unto the Lord, and this prayer was specific here. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall be no razor come upon his head. She prayed. Can I encourage you just a few moments? For those of you who are parents, and those of you who are praying about being parents, and those of you that in the near future will be parents, and those of you who have seen your, your children go on out of the house, three specific things that you can still to this day continue to do. Number one, pray specifically. Pray specifically. You want God to do something great with your children's life? Pray and ask God to do something great with your children's life. Last night as I was laying in bed for just a few moments, as I was running over everything, I began to pray, and this is something I pray often, that God would use my children to whatever extent he sees. That he would do something specific with their lives. Jackson came up to me just the other day and was asking, Hey, Dad, can I, can I do three different things when I get older? Can I be a preacher and a builder and a, whatever the other thing he's, he's fired up about right now? I said, if God, if God lays, if, if it's God's will, yes. Who knows? That boy might have seven different things he wants to do in about five years. God will reveal it. And I'm just praying that he would step out in faith and say, God, this is your will. I'll do it. I'll do it. Make it specific. Hannah's prayer was specific. Not only make it specific, don't hold back. Sometimes we hold back our prayers and we just, you know, sometimes it's laziness. We're not willing to really bathe some things in prayer. Sometimes it's we're scared. But can I encourage you, lay it all out there. The Bible goes on to tell us that she poured her soul out. Notice again in verse number 15 at the very end, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. This wasn't just something that was casual. She poured her soul out. And the final thing, keep praying. Occasionally, my stepdad or my mom or my in-laws or somebody in the family will shoot us a text message or give us a phone call and say, hey, just want to let you know we're praying for you. And you know, one of the things that they may never know or maybe they understand because they've heard me say it but really and truly never understand is how much it is appreciated that my parents still pray for me even after I'm out of their house. Can I encourage you, some of you have children that are here this morning, pray for them. Let them know that you're praying for them. Let them know that you're praying for them daily and that you are asking God to continue to guide them. And don't just, don't just expect them to know, let them know. Tell them that you're praying for them. Hannah began to pray and that prayer began to be revealed of what she was asking God to do. And notice with me if you would, now comes the time of presentation for her life. Verse number 22, but Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may 
appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour, a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. The child was young, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord. I am the woman that stood by thee here saying, or praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed. The Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. You see, this word wean means to be ripened. It took close to three years during this time. There was a preparation time, and we closed with this this morning. That preparation time was a time where she could communicate with the Lord and spend some more time in prayer. Can I encourage you this morning, there's always going to be preparation time, and one of the things that you can do in your own home and you can do is teach your children and pray with them. One of the things that we often will let our children do and we have let them do for quite some time is we are letting them spend all the time in prayer whenever we eat meals. Typically, if you're out with us, we don't pray. The children do. And early on, whenever Jackson started praying, he would pray, and he would, he would struggle through it, obviously, as a child would. And it's, it's one of those things where he is, he's mumbling stuff, and you have to go, all right, and for the food, amen. And, he, you know, he'd say that. That's where Holly's at right this very moment. The only thing Holly has down is when she prays, typically, she's a picker, man. And she starts her prayers off, Lord, thank you for today. Be with Jackson. Help him to be a good boy. And she is picking and she is trying to let Jackson know, hey, you're a bad boy. And she is picking. And so we'll say, and thank you for the food. Amen. So Jackson has now come to the place where he, he's become very good at praying. Sometimes we'll be out. Sometimes we'll be at home. Sometimes we'll be somewhere and he'll be praying. And sometimes he even prays for some of you. He always asks, um, about the, the, the boys in the, in the youth group, he'll say, and what's their name? He'll stop his prayer, and what's their name? Hey, boys, he's looking up to you. He's looking up to you. That's good, as long as y'all are looking up. You see, these young, these young teenagers were once one of those children that we were talking about being teenagers. I was just looking at a Facebook memory just the other day, and there was a memory popped up of you two at one of our very first work days. Y'all were about three foot five. Y'all were standing on each other's shoulders, scraping the ceiling. And now look at that. And there's not going to be much time between those children that we just dedicated before they're in this place. Teach them to pray. I pray that one thing, if we can instill that in our home, is that Jackson and Holly and Charlie will come to the place where they say, you know what, there are some things, yes, my dad and my mom, they weren't perfect. No parents are, but man, did they teach us to pray. When we were facing some things, they taught us to pray. There was some communication with the Lord that was taking place. I imagine there was some concentrating on the scripture, the meditation of scripture. The Bible goes on to say in Psalm 119, verse 15, I will meditate 
in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I believe there was a time where she was clearing her conscience to be right with the Lord. I believe there was a time when she was understanding that she needed to be given to God. Can I encourage you, don't conform to this world, but conform to the word of God and to the Lord. Teach your children that. And don't just teach them that, live it out. You know, it, it's one thing for, for us to stand and tell our children, hey, you don't do those things, you're a Christian. It's another thing for them to say, you know what, I see my parents live this way, so I probably shouldn't do this because they say they're a Christian, they live it. So if this is what the Word of God, and they're living like the Word of God says, then maybe I should as well because they're saying it. The Bible goes on in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may approve what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love this portion of Scripture. And I love the simple fact of verse number 26. Verse number 26 is a verse that we probably often overlook. But we get right to verse number 27 and 28. The Bible says, and she said, Oh, my Lord. As thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. Eli sees a lot of people. There are some things that, that Eli heard people praying. And what a sight it must have been for Eli to be standing there. Three years, give or take, has passed. Eli is standing here. And a woman comes, and she says, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. Hey, Eli, you remember this, this place right here? I was the one. I was the one praying that prayer that the Lord would grant me a child. And we don't know all of what was said here. But I imagine that she re begins to recall and she says, you remember that time you said go in peace and that the God of Israel would grant my petition and that, that I've asked him and I said, hey, if I could just find grace. And that was me, Eli. Not only was that me, but this is my child. He brings couple of years ago, that's his version of saying amen, a couple of years ago, I was talking to someone and I was sharing that one of the things that's hard being a younger pastor is life experience, you just can't relate sometimes, and one of the things for me that the Lord allowed us and we would you know, looking back, we, we were talking about this. She was talking to her parents just the other day, and she was saying, you know, looking at Charlie, it, it makes you kind of wonder, what did the other three look like? What would they have done? And one of the things that as I, I stand here and I read this verse, and it says, and she said, Oh, my Lord, at thy soul liveth, as thy soul liveth, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. I rejoice this morning because there was a time in our own lives where we were 
sorrowful. And there was a time in our own lives where we were wondering, Lord, why have you allowed this to happen? And as we stand here this morning, I hold this little baby, and we've held those little babies, and we can say, for this child I have prayed. And this morning, as we brought him before the Lord, we're offering him back unto the Lord, because ultimately the Lord has saw fit to allow us just a season with this young child's life. But oh, the joy that'll come if this young boy, at some point in time, comes to know the Lord as his personal Savior and holds this Bible in his hand and begins to quote Scripture one day and begins to acknowledge just how good God is. And he is raised in a home that the emphasis was not on all the extracurricular stuff all the time, although that'll be something that he does. And it wasn't on animals and it wasn't on, on, on what we were doing outside. It wasn't on what food, but it was always on what God had for his life. And as I hold him here today, I begin to think about this pastor's scripture, and I thank God that this is something that though she wasn't barren, the three miscarriages allowed us to see things from a different perspective. And sometimes we look at this story and we wonder, was it really that hard? I don't know what she faced, but I know that Two years ago, facing three miscarriages and standing along her side, that was tough. And as we hold this little boy right here, Charlie Lucas Farm, what's his middle name mean? Bringer of life. He sure has brought some life. He's been a blessing. This is probably the best we'll ever be right here. Just downhill from here, right? For this child, I have prayed. I wonder this morning, some of you have your children in services. It'd do you good to grab that child by the arm. You say, oh, they're, they're, they're out of the house. Or, oh, they're a teenager. Oh, they're, they're, this is baby dedication. It'd do you some good to grab that child by the arm and come and spend some time in prayer with that child. Some of you don't have children here, and you're praying that the Lord bring them back to the house of God, maybe it'd do you some good to find yourself at the altar and spend some time in prayer. You say, oh, I pray for them every night. It'd still do you some good to come and spend some time in prayer right here. Some of you are about to maybe have a child or are talking about that, and you're praying, and you're asking the Lord for wisdom and discernment and, and, and guidance and all that. It'd do you some good to find yourself spending some time in prayer. Hannah saw her problem, but was unwilling to let her problem define the rest of her life. She took that burden to the Lord and said, Lord, if thou wilt, I will give them back to you. Can I encourage you this morning? On this baby day, some of you have children out of the house. Keep praying for them. Some of you have children in the house. Keep praying for them. Some of you are praying about having children. Pray now. Ask God to give you the guidance, the discernment, the wisdom, and the compassion and love to go with them. Parents, I encourage you to spend some time in prayer with your children. Lord, we do thank you this morning. What a blessing it is to be able to be here in the house of God. Lord, I pray that you would guide us and direct us, Lord, on this baby day. No doubt, Lord, many people are here this morning, some with children who have children and their grandparents and great-grandparents maybe. And what a blessing that is. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to guide us and direct us. Lord, on this baby dedication day, Lord, may we give our children to you. May we bathe them in prayer. Lord, may we allow you to have your perfect will and your guidance and 
But Lord, may we see it through. Lord, you've been such a good and gracious God. We love you. We thank you for it. I pray that you would be with us this morning. Help us. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Can I encourage your parents? Come and grab that baby by the arm. You say, oh, I don't want to embarrass them. Embarrass them. Get them down at the altar and spend some time in prayer with them. Some of you have children that are now children, or that have their own children. Grab that baby by the arm. You know, my mom oftentimes will say, you're still my baby. And I laugh about it. The truth of the matter is, I am. Can I encourage you to never stop praying for your children? I receive so much joy whenever my parents will shoot me a text and let me know that they're praying for me. This morning, maybe you want to come and spend some time in prayer. Maybe this morning there's someone here who wants to come and just bathe their children in prayer that aren't here. As the Lord speaks to you, could I encourage you, don't miss this moment. At the beginning of the service, I said this. Sometimes the hardest thing is living in the present. Could I encourage you, live in the now. Don't miss this. Allow the Lord to use this time for you to spend some time in prayer with your family, with your children. Maybe just spend some time in prayer with the Lord. As the piano plays, some are praying. The Lord's speaking to you. I encourage you to find yourself at the altar and spend some time in prayer.